You're listening to Nutrition Matters Podcast with Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Nutrition Matters Podcast explores how to approach food and your body in a whole new way. I interview people who share stories and expertise in rejecting diet culture, making peace with food, and discovering a more positive, realistic, and sustainable approach to health and well-being. I'm Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist and owner of Positive Nutrition, an in-person nutrition therapy practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. I offer free resources, including this podcast, a blog, and posts on social media. If you're local to Salt Lake City, check out our services and availability for appointments and keep your eyes out for in-person groups on mindfulness, intuitive eating, body image resilience, and more. Go to positive-nutrition.com and hit subscribe if you'd like to keep in touch. I also offer online courses covering topics like the science of nutrition, mindfulness, and healing your relationship with food. Check those out at positive-nutrition.com slash academy. If you like what you hear on the podcast, you can make a difference by leaving a review, sharing with friends and family, or making a donation. Thank you so much for your support. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook if you'd like to have a little more food for thought at Paige Smathers RD. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to Nutrition Matters Podcast. My name is Paige and I'm your host and I'm so pumped to connect with you today. I've had this thought on my mind for many, many weeks, actually maybe even months or years, and I'm finally kind of feeling like I'm able to put it into words. So I'm excited to share this idea with you today and it happens to kind of coincide with a bit of a wave of popularity from Marie Kondo on Netflix. So let's see what we can do to kind of talk about what Marie Kondo can teach us about food. Before we dive into that, I wanted to share a couple upcoming things that I want you to know about. First of all, if you happen to be local to Salt Lake City and you are interested in joining me for a group nutrition therapy workshop where it's like a weekly meeting with other individuals where we meet every single week, um, we are going to be starting up another round of these groups at the Positive Nutrition Office in Salt Lake City. I'm taking eight people for an evening group on Tuesdays from 5 p.m. to 6.30, and eight people for a morning group on Thursdays from uh, 9.30 in the morning until 11 a.m. So I will be facilitating the evening group on Tuesdays. Katie, who works with me in my practice, who is fabulous, She just doesn't have an online presence, so many of you maybe don't know her, although she has come on the podcast before, so you're welcome to check out the episode that I did with her as well. She will be doing the morning groups on Thursdays from 9.30 to 11 a.m. These groups will be starting up on February 26th and ending April 16th. We will be doing the Body Image Resilience Group, so what we're doing there is we're doing the curriculum created by the team with Beauty Redefined. If you're not familiar with their work, please feel free to go back and listen to the episode that I did with Beauty Redefined. I believe it's in the early 100s. They do fabulous work and they've created an online course about body image resilience and they've made it so that people like me can facilitate groups where group members do complete one unit of the online course on their own time and then they come uh, in person, and we we discuss it and explore that concept uh, as a group. So we did this in September of 2018. It was so fabulous and so amazing that I decided to do it again. 
So if you're interested in that, head on over to positive-nutrition.com slash groups, and then you can click on the Body Image Resilience group there. I also will have a link to this in the show notes as well, so you're welcome to check that out. Be sure to fill out the group interest form at the bottom of the page to let me know that you're interested, and then I'll be making final selections a couple weeks before the group. Again, the group will be starting up at the end of February, so if you decide to do the evening group with me, that will start on Tuesday the 26th. If you decide to do the Thursday morning with Katie, that will be Thursday the 28th of February. Also, I do want to plug my courses. I am so pumped and proud of the two online courses that I have so far in the Positive Nutrition Academy. The first is Positive Nutrition 101, a course that I co-teach with Jesse Hoffman, PhD. In that course, we're talking all about the science of nutrition without the gimmicks. We go into metabolism, nutrients, gut health, grocery shopping, meal planning, all of these important kind of the science and the art of nutrition, but we're doing it without all the gimmicky stuff that you typically have with those things. So if the idea of meal planning sounds, kind of makes your skin crawl, first of all, you're not alone and I understand that, but at the same time, let's re-approach some of these things that might have felt diety to you in the past, but are actually um, good positive self-care practices. So we're talking about them through the lens of intuitive eating and health at every size, and it is all in alignment with the stuff we talk about in the podcast. So we're not just suddenly pulling the rope under or the rug from underneath you and making some type of really diety thing. Um, It's all really, really cohesive to healing your relationship with food. You can find that course at positive-nutrition.com slash academy. I also have a brand new online course called Positive Nutrition for Life, Heal Your Relationship with Food. This is an online course that walks you through why diets don't work and then kind of tells you how to rebuild from there. So this, we're in this course, we're talking about mindfulness. We're talking about body liberation. We're talking about intuitive eating. And in fact, you buy the intuitive eating book and I kind of give you 10 short lessons talking you through each of the principles of intuitive eating. And then we finish up with positive nutrition. So the reason why I take you through the book, Intuitive Eating, is because as I have worked with clients one-on-one and in the group setting, so many of them have said, wow, if I had to just read this book on my own, I don't know if I'd be able to get through it. I don't know if I'd be able to understand it, but discussing it more and having more ideas thrown in there um, and more exercises to kind of practice can feel super helpful. Um, besides my online course, there also is an intuitive eating workbook that you can check out if you feel like you need a little extra help. Um, so I just, I'm just here to help you get the right resources. If that's the right resource for you, amazing. So glad if one of my courses happens to be the right resource for you, amazing. And so glad too. So you can check out those online courses at positive-nutrition.com academy. And then as always, you'll have links to those in the show notes as well. Okay, so with that, let's get into talking about good old Marie, who I just have to say, I really, I like her. She's so just lovely and adorable, and you just, I just want her to be my friend. Um, But I do want to dive into kind of the things I like about the approach, things I don't like about the approach, things that I think we can take away and kind of use in our relationship with food, and then some additional thoughts that I have for you. 
So Marie Kondo, just in case you don't know who I'm talking about or what this whole idea is, is she has written a book called The Magical Art of Tidying Up. Don't quote me on that. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> um, and her basic idea behind tidying up, meaning cleaning up your house and having a space for things and um, kind of simplifying and decluttering and kind of being more of sort of a minimalist about the things that you have is this basic fundamental idea of picking up each and everything that you have in your life, in your home, and asking yourself, does this spark joy? And the things that do spark joy, you keep, and you keep around. And the things that don't, maybe you potentially get rid of. So I've seen a lot of kind of fighting and argumenting back and forth saying like, this is such a stupid idea. I hate it. And other people are like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with this. And I don't really care to get involved in like the fight of like, whose side am I on? Do I love it or do I hate it? But I do want to say that I think that this is actually a really powerful concept. And I think that she has a really good point when she, she has sort of a method for starting off with certain things in your home like clothes, and then eventually progressing toward more sentimental things like pictures or like, I forget exactly the word she uses, but things that hold more sentimental value. And what she says is, is as you get through working on the clothes that you have or the books that you have or the things that you have um, in that category, you're able to kind of move on to, to trickier, more sentimental, more difficult things that as you move forward, you actually develop more and more skills for getting better at tuning into what sparks joy. I absolutely love that concept. I love the concept of practicing getting better at recognizing what brings you happiness and what you want to keep in your life and what you might want to potentially um, say goodbye to. I think there's a lot of pow power to that idea. For sure, with what we have in our homes, but also what we have more on an abstract level. What are we allowing in to our mind? And what are we, what are we, are we being picky about we, uh, what we allow in to our minds or even into our, our lives with food? Um, now that's not to say I'm, I'm advocating for picky eating or I'm advocating for being um, super rigid and obsessive about it. But at the same time, it's kind of nice to be like, you know what, as I'm eating this cookie, can I ask myself like, does this spark joy? Does this Really, is this something that I really want to be eating right now? Or is I, am I doing this because I feel like I have to or I feel like I need to or some other type of reason that I want to look into? And or am I eating this cookie because it's here and I don't actually really like it or I don't really even want it right now? So I do agree with Marie that there, there does come a point where you can get really a lot better at trying to figure out what sparks joy for me. What do I enjoy? What do I want to have in my life? And what do I not want to have in my life? So if you practice her method with your home or with your things, just I just want you to know that I think you can actually practice this in so many other ways as well. So I think that part of the craze that we've experienced with this whole Marie Kondo thing is that we're really desperate for somebody to come in and give us permission to kind of simplify and declutter our chaotic world. And I think that that's the draw to Marie is that we're all just 
kind of secretly and maybe even subconsciously saying, yes, thank you so much for giving me permission to simplify my clutter. I think that that's part of the draw. So what I also want to say is uh, I want to give you permission to simplify and declutter your chaotic world with food. You might be desperate for that with your homes and with your belongings, but you also might be a little bit desperate for that when it comes to your approach to food. I want to give you tons of permission to simplify. I want to give you tons of permission to let go of some of the cluttering rules that you have in your head that actually aren't bringing you peace and that actually probably aren't even helping you live happier or healthier. So I think that's one of the draws is we're desperate for someone to come in and give us this permission to declutter and simplify our chaotic world. I think another reason that we're drawn to Marie and her philosophy is that is this beautiful thing she does where she comes into homes and she reimagines them as sacred spaces. I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when, when I would watch her on her Netflix special come into a home and, and kind of have the family gather around and she kneels down in the living room and does some type of sort of ritual and or prayer or some type of thing where she she dedicates the space as a sacred as a sacred space. I just found that so lovely. And you know, a little part of me felt a little uncomfortable for the people who probably felt so unsure of what this meant or maybe just really out of their typical wheelhouse. But I really I think there's something to that. I think there's something to reimagining our homes as a sacred space. Whether you're religious or not, I don't really mean that in a religious context necessarily. I do mean it in a space of, you know, it's pretty special. The things that you allow into your life and into your space can spark joy or can kind of take away from that joy for you. Now let's imagine ourselves a little bit. Let's imagine what can she teach us about what is the draw to Marie Kondo and what can she teach us about how we treat our bodies and how we treat ourselves? So I think part of the draw is we like that she reimagines people's homes as sacred spaces. What if we could kind of take that with us in how we approach ourselves? What if we say, wow, I'm a sacred being. I'm a spiritual and again, not necessarily religious. It's okay if you are or aren't, but what if we reimagine ourselves as sacred, whole, wonderful, mysterious, amazing, beautiful, brilliant beings. I think there's something to that. I think there's something to someone giving us permission to say, hey, I'm connected, I'm valuable, I'm worthy, um, I'm special, I'm sacred. I think those are all really healing, beautiful thoughts. So what can she teach us about our homes I think she can teach us that we need permission to, de to declutter and to simplify. I think she can teach us that we can reimagine our spaces as sacred spaces. But I also think we can tie that into how we approach food and our bodies and all of, our, all of the ways that we treat ourselves that falls under this kind of general category of self-care. So I also want to say, I want to kind of quote from a really great New York Times opinion piece about Marie Kondo. I'm going to quote something here, and I will uh, list this link in the show notes as well. We in the West still hanker after new and exotic ways to make our lives better. 
Rules that adopt concise numerical values may appear to be more practical, which is why society often, often imposes specific standards on us, such as the amount of money we should earn, the ideal body weight we should be, or the recommendation recommended quantity of food we should consume each day. But what makes one person happy, comfortable, and healthy varies for the next. So your individual gold standard can be determined only through your own perspective. This is where the magic question, does it spark joy, comes into play. Continually assessing whether the belongings in your life spark joy allows you to hone in on your judgment. Over time, your ability to identify what is worth keeping and will extend from your home to your career to your relationships. You will be able to discern what makes you happiest and most contented in other aspects of your life. That was a piece actually written by Marie Kondo. And I, again, will post the link so that you can look into that. So she does say, hey, this is just sort of a microcosm. Your home is a microcosm for learning these skills that can then extend into greater judgment about your career, your relationships, and beyond. So I love it. I think Marie can teach us so many incredible things about food, about our bodies, about the way we care for ourselves, about the way we approach ourselves. And I also want to kind of give you a little bit of my sort of other side to all of this. So I, I am the type of person that I like to kind of look at both sides and kind of find a middle ground. Because when I just get gung-ho with one thing, it just tends to not feel too balanced. And I, it tends to actually create some, some suffering for me. So I'll do a, a little bit of self-disclosure here. I am a relatively tidy person. I regularly have people come to my house and say, wow, your house is so clean. And, um, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that just, just so that you understand where I'm coming from with this next part of what I'm going to explain. I... I think part of this was because I was actually raised in two homes. I never had a, a spot for my things. I never had all of my things in one place until I went away to college. And I remember living in this teensy tiny dorm room and just being in such amazement that literally everything that I have and that I care about is all in one space and it all has a spot. Now, yeah, things were bursting at the seams and um, there was... Yeah, not a, not a lot of space, but it just brought me so much joy to feel like if I wanted to pick up that book or if I wanted that shirt to wear that day or if I wanted those pair of shoes, I would have them because I wouldn't I wouldn't have to be saying, oh, I'll just have to wait till I'm back at my dad's house or, oh, I left that at my mom's house, so I need to drive over there. So this was a really, really special thing for me, and I do think that it really informs my tidiness. I get a sense of peace from knowing where things are, having a spot for the things that I have. I also am a relatively minimalistic type of person. I don't have a lot of clothes. I don't have a lot of um, things, honestly. I really kind of hesitate to get tons of new kitchen appliances or kitchen things or new bowls or new spoons. I just, I kind of like having what I need and I don't like having extra. Um, same, same is true with my kids. I, I, they don't actually have tons and tons of toys. Um, and I think that's part of why people walk in and say, wow, your house is so clean. It's just because there's a spot for everything that we have. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be like me. I'm not saying that this is right or wrong or good or bad. It just, it just kind of is the way that I work. 
every day I like to kind of go through my house and say, oh, those shoes were left out or those socks were on the ground or that toy is out or that book is out. And I just kind of gently and carefully just like put things away and, and it's nice. It's nice to be able to have a tidy house. Okay. So with all of that self-disclosure out of the way, I also want to say that I, I do like tidiness, but I, for a while in my life, I kind of felt a touch guilty that there tended to be these little piles that would, that would build up in my house. So for instance, the mail pile, right? You, you get tons of mail and some of it, you just know you need to throw away and others of it, you're like, Hmm, do I need this? And so you kind of have this pile that just kind of is perpetually there. Even when you go through it and get rid of stuff, it's just there again. <laughs> Does anyone relate to that? So I kind of felt bad that I have this pile or then I have this other pile on my desk for work or then I have, you know, some of these just little piles throughout my house, a little bit of messiness. And again, I'm not, I'm not pathological about messiness or tidiness. I, you know, I have days where I don't tidy up at all. And I have moments where my house looks like an absolute tornado came through it like that. I'm human. I'm not, I'm not some type of robot. Um, but there was this sense of like, gosh, why do I need to have these piles? What is wrong with me? Why is this always here? And I actually just came across this amazing podcast, which I will also share here for you to listen to that talked about, I think it was just called messy. It talked about this idea of the mail pile and the guest on the podcast kind of argued that, you know, it's actually wise to have piles around your house because if you always just file away the mail that comes in, what happens is you actually tend to lose it. You tend to not remember where it went. You tend to keep stuff that you actually end up just throwing away because you didn't really need it. Um, and you tend to not be able to find things. And it was like this total epiphany moment for me where I'm like, oh yeah, my, my email inbox, absolute mess. My desk, my little desk part of my kitchen, absolute mess. The artwork that my kids bring home from school that I don't exactly know what to do with it, 100% mess. And it kind of made me feel like, gosh, there is wisdom in a little bit of messy piles here and there in your house. Because what does happen with my mail pile is once I've had something in the pile for a little while and it kind of works its way down to the bottom, I'm able to see, oh, I didn't use that in the last few weeks. I, I never really needed it. Okay, it's probably something I can just toss. Uh, whereas the times where I've tried to be super organized and file things away and throw stuff away, I end up throwing away things I actually needed and or filing things away that I can't find because I can't remember where I put it. So this is sort of a long and symbolic story for you because I want you to understand that I do think that tidying up is valuable and good. And I think tidying up and asking yourself what sparks joy with your relationship with food and your body is also really good and positive. However, you all know about me. I love the messy, the gray, the nuance, the just the messiness of life is where the magic happens. Um, and if we get too caught up in tidiness and too rigid about asking yourself what sparks joy, you actually might get really chaotic and disorganized and not really know where you put things and throw stuff away that actually you wanted and um, vice versa. So I want to give you tons of permission that in this craze to talk about tidying up and from one person who really values a tidy space, 
I want to give you tons of permission that sometimes messiness is absolutely essential for your sanity. Messiness on a very real level, but then also messiness in terms of like your progress with all of this. Maybe you need to have metaphorical piles in your head of like things that you're not quite ready to look at and file away. You're not quite ready to decide, do I throw this away or do I keep it around or do I file it away for later or do I keep this in my everyday life? Do I put it on the wall? You know, is it that important to me that I want to display it? You have so much permission to keep these piles in your head or in your approach to food. This There is wisdom in piles. There is wisdom in messiness. And if we get too caught up in tidying up, we really lose the magic. We risk getting into this black and white, all or nothing um, binary thinking that is so, so, so common in us as we try to navigate um, healing our relationship with food. So I hope that this conversation, or I guess it's a one-sided conversation, I hope that this discussion and exploration into this idea of tidying up feels helpful to you. I think that there's so much wisdom in it. I think we can look at how we can be a bit more aware of what sparks joy for us and a bit more permission as to tidying up and um, kind of decluttering our messy, chaotic heads when it comes to our rules about food. But also at the same time, if, if you're feeling like, wow, this is messy, what the heck is happening to me? I have so many piles in my head, if, like piling up and I don't know what to do with it. Resist the urge to just, you know, clean it all up and to make it all perfectly tidy because there is so much wisdom in messiness. And what I love about Marie is with if you watch her, she's not militant about being perfectly tidy every single second. She talks about how, you know, she has to tidy up her house and she um, isn't perfect at this and she does have piles and she has some mess here and there. So I think that there's a balance to be struck here. I think that I my hope is that I'm sparking some ideas in your own head that you can find an approach to tidying up physically and even mentally in your own life that works for you. And it's okay if that looks different from somebody else's. But just remember, messiness is where the magic happens and tidying up is also a really, really valuable thing to do. So I hope that this has been a little bit helpful. I hope you've gotten some ideas of how this might apply to you in your approach to food in your body. And as always, I look forward to connecting with you next in a podcast episode in two weeks. And then as always, feel free to subscribe to my newsletter, which I'm still kind of getting organized, but subscribe there so that you can get notified about um, upcoming events, special deals, as well as latest pods, podcasts and blog posts. And just a reminder, I will be podcasting every other week and blogging on the opposite week's. So expect a release of something new every Monday in, in the form of either a blog or a podcast. And thanks so much for joining me. Look forward to next time. Well, I sincerely hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't already, please go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll see you soon for another episode.